0: Chavis.
1: Thank you, Sid. We want to welcome a brand new guest to our program today. A little bit about him. Both of his grandfathers were Baptist pastors, but his parents divorced when he was very young, leaving his home life broken. You know how that can be. Seven years, he was into drug addiction, drug dealing, being arrested several times, and almost dying in a car accident, even to the point of attempting suicide. But God dramatically and thankfully saved him. And he's now the lead pastor at Morningstar Fellowship Church in Fort Mill, South Carolina, and operates in the spiritual gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge, healing, and sometimes miracles. Please welcome to Messianic Vision, Pastor Justin Perry. Hi, Justin.
2: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. You're actually just uh, right down the street from us here at the studios. So it's it's nice to have somebody local once in a while. So we, we appreciate that. But Justin, tell me a little bit about uh, your salvation experience.
2: Yeah, well, as you uh, just kind of reviewed, things were uh, pretty broken at a pretty young age. I was, I think looking back I. Might have had something like a nervous breakdown Mm. young, maybe eight years old or something like that, and just cried for months. I just couldn't keep it together. I, you know, I would go to school and fake being sick just to go home, and it's just very broken. And uh, so I did get into drugs very young, kind of to escape the pain. Uh, And uh, after years from, you know, really very young, twelve years old or so, uh, until around the time I was nineteen. Uh, I just was really stuck in darkness. I would occasionally cry out to God for help. I, I was around church most of my life, but I never really encountered the Lord. It was like I, I think I may have even, uh, in some way, I believed the gospel, but there was nowhere that I knew where I could go to encounter the power of God to actually be set free. Yes, yes. It was until March of 2000, um I had a, uh, me and my friends would occasionally go down to New Orleans and go party on Bourbon Street, and so we had just gotten back from just a really, you know, rough trip. I passed out on a sidewalk on Bourbon Street. I woke up in a truck in Mississippi, not even knowing how I had gotten from point A to point B, but something was different whenever I woke up in that truck. This would have been uh, very early in the morning on March 20th. I, I was so utterly convicted by the Holy Spirit. It was like the Lord had a hold of my heart and was squeezing my heart because I had kind of told him going into that trip, because I was facing felony charges prior to that trip. Uh, Some real serious things had happened, and so I kind of told the Lord, this is my last hurrah. I'm going to give my life to you after this, I'd actually been reading a book for a couple of years on and off, uh, The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson. Mm-hmm. And so I'd had this realization that demons were real and that I wasn't just hallucinating on drugs. I was actually in a spiritual battle for my life. And so I began to cry out to the Lord. And so when I woke up in that truck, I was so convicted. I was riding with a guy who was trying to you know, pass drugs to me, and I didn't want anything to do with it. I got home uh, about three in the morning and just went uh, straight back to my room, uh, shut the door and just fell face first on the ground and just began sobbing. And, And this time it wasn't, you know, sobbing because I had been busted for something or something bad had happened. It was I was so grieved over my sin and just the darkness that I was caught in. Uh, and as I lay there on the ground, something amazing happened. For the first time in my life, I began to encounter the presence of God. A tangible cloud of the Lord's glory came and hovered over me for three hours, and I was horribly addicted to all kinds of, you know, prescription medication, cocaine, ecstasy. Mm -hmm. And after three hours on the floor, I got up born again. I mean, I was delivered and healed. And I mean, I still had a a sort of a path of deliverance to walk through after that, but I was free for the first time really in my life. Um, And, uh, you know, my dad came in around 6 a.m. and asked me if I wanted to tell him about Bourbon Street. He was so tired of dealing with the partying and getting arrested and all that. He was really just coming in to see if I'd made it back home. And I said, I don't want to talk about that. I just want to talk about Jesus.
1: (laughs) So that probably surprised him, and he was probably very happy to hear it.
2: Oh, he was thrilled. Yeah, he had encountered the Lord a couple years before that and had begun praying for me. And during those three days that I was in New Orleans, he was actually on a men's retreat praying for me with 30 other men who were also praying for their kids. And so I got radically saved as my dad was praying for me Uh, uh, on a retreat in the mountains. So awesome stuff.
1: So every parent out there, what would you say to them right now?
2: You know, I would say pursue your kids. You know, you can't be overbearing. I guess you could turn someone away. But my dad gave me that book, The Bondage Breaker. Uh, He uh, prayed for me. The thing that was most impactful, I would come home after partying all night at five in the morning, and he would be sitting on the couch praying in the Word.
1: Oh, wow.
2: And uh, yeah, so he made a huge impact. And he would also uh, tape Bible verses to my door and to my mirror. And he had no idea I was actually keeping those and I would read them over and over. Mm. Uh, So, yeah, he he really it was because God was doing something real in his life.
1: And you saw that.
2: Yeah. and, And I think he also stepped into a place of authority in his own encounter with God, to begin praying for me, and and God began moving in my life.
1: Sure, sure. Well, I know, I know that that meant a lot to you. And and shortly after you were saved, you also received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I liked the way you said that because I know both of your grandfathers were Baptist pastors, and you said that you had been being discipled by a a closet charismatic Baptist youth pastor.
2: That's right. Yeah, this is just the awesome man of God, Frank Edmonds in Tennessee. He uh, had been a part of uh, the renewal in the mid-90s, and the, he was a part of a huge Baptist church that got totally rocked and became a charismatic church as a result of that. And so uh, that was actually a church in Chattanooga that's still going strong in revival today. But he was walking in such an anointing, he began getting a lot of my friend's uh, leading them to the Lord and mm-hmm. through deliverance, getting them baptized in the Spirit, and so I saw kids that I used to sell drugs to six months ago who were now in love with Jesus, carrying a Bible everywhere with them. So as soon as I got saved, I knew where to go. I was going to go and get around this man that that was, you know, helping all my friends to get free. And so, yeah, he began to disciple me and. I remember we were doing a Bible study once, and he said something about the gift of tongues, and I said, oh, but that's just a bunch of gibberish. Mm. You know, Now it's scary to think that I, I said that, but I did in ignorance because that's what I had been taught, that it was gibberish or it was demonic even. And he said, well, hold on now. Let's, let's talk about that. Why do you say that? And I told him, you know, well, that's what I was taught. And he gave me a copy of a book called The Beauty of Spiritual Language by Jack Hayford, which I'd recommend to anyone oh, yes. who's struggling over tongues or who you know has that Baptist family member who doesn't believe in tongues. Just such a great book to thoroughly convince from the Scriptures of just the, the power of that gift and the baptism of the Spirit. And so after just a couple weeks of reading that book and seeking the Lord, I had a powerful encounter uh, parked on top of a mountain, um, Uh, praying for family, actually. And I just got this. uh, I mean, it it came like a raging fire, this baptism of the Holy Spirit that completely just it changed my life. Yes. Something, you know, this tangible anointing came on my life really from that day forward.
1: Yes. And I loved the way you put that when you said it changed my life radically that day. And there's been a tangible anointing there ever since. So, wow. And and Justin, let me ask you this. I know right now you are the lead pastor at Morningstar Church here in uh, Fort Mill, South Carolina, and you really experience a lot of the supernatural. I mean, all kinds of miracles, people being prayed for, saved, delivered, healed, lots of things. But what was the first miracle that that you saw when you knew it was a miracle and you knew that it had to be from a supernatural God?
2: Yeah, well, uh, I I saw my mom go through something really difficult right around the time I got saved. It might have been a month or so before, and it was right around the time I got saved. She started to get uh, really sick with a crippling uh, degenerative nerve condition called RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, I think is what it's called, And it's supposed to be one of the most painful conditions a a human can endure. All of your nerve endings fire at like a 10 out of 10 level of pain. And uh, she went through it for about nine months. She actually was put on government disability because she couldn't even leave the house, much less work. And uh, she was just in so much pain, and uh, her arms began to die. I don't know how else to say it. They turned purple huge pieces of flesh were falling off of her arms. They were paralyzed. One of her hands and arms was completely paralyzed. She couldn't even wiggle a finger. The other one uh, would have spasms, and she could barely even close her fist to, you know, pick up a cup of water. And then it began to move into her legs, and the same thing began happening with her legs. Um, And I had went to uh, live with her, or I stayed with her about half of the time, just to kind of get away from it all All of my friends were still partying, and I just wanted to just get with God. So I would spend eight hours a day with the Lord literally for about the first year after I was saved. And so I was staying with her days out of the week, and I I read a book uh, about prayer by Dutch Sheets, Intercessory Prayer, awesome book. And there's a testimony in there about Dutch uh, praying for his wife an hour a day for I think it was a month. And a cyst that was in her body completely disappeared, and she didn't have to have surgery. And so I was a new believer. I read that and I thought, well, this is how this thing works. If I pray, and he prayed in the spirit for an hour a day. So I said, if I pray in the spirit an hour a day, God's going to heal my mom. So I would go in the room, shut the door, and I would begin and pray for exactly an hour. Uh, And then I would go and talk to her and pray for her. Uh, And I did that every day for a week. And at the end of that week, I asked her if she would come to church with me, which was a huge ordeal for her to get out of the house. Yes. She came uh, almost a two hour drive with me to go to the church that I was a part of. It's kind of a long story. But uh, the short of it is she uh, that morning, uh, I remember the, the pastor Frank pre- preached on crying out to God. And at the end of the service, she went down and just went down to the altar and I was right behind her as well as a couple ladies in the church. And I began crying out to God, just like the pastor said. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, God, you're going to heal my mom. And I saw, it was one of the first visions I remember seeing, and I knew that I'd seen a vision. I saw lightning strike from heaven. I saw lightning strike, and it was like the power of God just touched my mom. And so I opened my eyes and I told her, you are healed. I'm, I'm sure of it. You're going to be healed. And so uh, I left church that morning and went out to eat, and whenever I got back to my sister's house about two hours later, I walked in the door, and my mom was leaned up against the kitchen counter, wiggling the fingers on her paralyzed hand that she had not moved a finger for six months on that arm. And I said, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, I don't know. I can't (laughs) move my fingers. And uh, within a week after that, less than a week after that, she was I mean, miraculously restored. There was no scarring on her arms. I mean, she was carrying in groceries from the car five days later after this, and that was 20 years ago almost. And she, you know, she's been working full time ever since, more than full time often. And so the Lord totally, you know, got her off of government disability and went straight back to living a completely normal life. It was an incredible miracle, and, and convinced me from that day forward. You know, the Lord still heals people miraculously.
1: Yes. Yes. So a dramatic salvation baptized in the Holy Spirit and now actually seeing miracles. So you were, you were getting quite an education in what it's like to live a supernatural life. But I want to talk about your book. We we got this book in here to the ministry and we started reading it. A couple of us read it and it's called Adventures in Dreaming. And, and I know we've, we've offered a lot of resources about dreaming before. But Justin, honestly, when we read your book, we're going, wow, this is so different. Wow, this is so great. Oh, listen to this. Look at this. And we were just captivated by your adventures in dreaming, as you put it. So I want to talk about that a little bit. But um, when you, after you were saved, tell us, how did, was it right after you were saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit? Is that when this whole adventure in dreaming started?
2: It is, yes. Very shortly after I got saved, I had uh, an experience. This is whenever I was spending, you know, eight plus hours a day with the Lord. I wanted to read through the Bible as quick as possible. And so I would spend four or five hours a day just reading. And uh, I had just gotten into the book of Genesis. I read the New Testament first, then I began at Genesis. And I read the story of Joseph's dreams. And this is maybe two months after I uh, was born again. And I read the story of Joseph's dream, and I went to bed that night saying, Lord, why don't you speak to people in dreams anymore? I was actually bummed. I was like, man, too bad I didn't live several thousand years ago whenever God used to do this. And I just went to bed kind of burdened and confused. Why would God not do that anymore? Because that's honestly what i had been taught, that God, you know, God doesn't speak in dreams. That's spooky stuff for New Age. <laughs> And I laid down that night, you know, having just asked God that question, and I had a prophetic dream. And the dream that I had was I was in a mall with a friend, and we walked past uh, a guy who uh, who cussed at my friend. And I turned to him and said, hey, you know, watch your mouth. And he turned and looked at me, and he was obviously strung out. And he said, man, you have no idea what I've been through. I've been so strung out. I've lost my job, and I've lost my marriage, and I've been..." Uh, kicked out of my house. And he said, I've lost everything because of drugs. And I said, man, I do understand the Lord has just delivered me of that and he'll deliver you also. And in the dream, I, uh, I wrote down my number and I asked him to write down his number. And the last thing I said in the dream, this guy who had lost it all because of drugs and lost his job, kicked out of his house, lost his marriage. I handed him uh, my number and I said, call me if you want to get your life right with God. And I woke up to the phone ringing, and I answer the phone, and here on the other line is a friend of mine who's just lost his job, has just, uh, his marriage has just split up, and he's living in a hotel because his wife kicked him out of his house because of the drugs. And so it was literally the same uh, situation from my dream, and he was actually inviting me over to party. And I told him, you know, I don't do that anymore. I said I found something much better, and uh, and I said let me come over and tell you about it. So I took him over a Bible that day, and it took a few years, but over about the next six or seven years, I led him to the Lord. I saw him be restored uh, to his his wife. I saw his marriage restored, the same wife that he was split up from then. And so I saw him. Radically uh, get his life turned around as well as a result of that first prophetic dream.
1: You know what you're going to have. You're going to have everybody that's listening to you right now go to bed tonight and close their eyes and say, "God, why don't you speak to me in dreams like you used to speak to people in the Bible?" Because I I think sometimes we just need to ask, don't we? Or 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 expect or position ourselves in a way that, that we can receive from God? I mean, you were just going, oh, that would be so cool opening yourself up to that.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we have three times uh, in First Corinthians 12 to 14 where God tells us to earnestly desire or pursue spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. especially prophecy or especially the revelatory gifts. So I think we have an open invitation to ask the Lord, you know, uh, persistently, to keep on asking, to keep on knocking, until we receive. Uh, and I think that I think that the majority of uh, manifestation of spiritual gifts in my life has come through hunger and through pursuing God for those things until they begin to happen. So I think you're absolutely right.
1: Yes, yes. Well, just, just right now, I know we hadn't planned this right now, but for any of those that are seeking revelatory gifts, would you speak to them right now?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing that I want to say is that your Father, your Abba, is a good Father, and He has assured us that the greatest earthly Father with a desire to give good gifts to his children is evil in comparison to how amazing and how wonderful God is towards us his children. Psalm 103, his, uh, his heart towards us is like a father who has compassion on an only son. And so we are encouraged to ask our father to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to encourage you hunger is currency in the kingdom of God. If we're not hungry, we can even ask the Lord to make us hungry and to stir up hunger. But as we pursue the Lord, as we seek Him with our whole heart, we will find Him. And the way that it works, at least what I've seen in my own life and ministry, is that as we seek Him for the gifts of the Spirit, we will receive them. He's just such a good Father. It's like I've got three kids And it's a struggle for me not to give them everything that they ask. I know.
1: I'm a parent. I know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But man, I just, my heart, I would tear my heart out for my kids. And I know that God's heart is so much greater for us. He loves to give good gifts to his children. Yes. Yeah. So Lord, for all those who are seeking the the greater measure of supernatural activity in their lives, God, it's because we're hungry. God, we're not after the gifts. We're after you, and we pray that you would manifest yourself in our lives in greater measure. God, I ask you for dreams and visions. God, I ask you for manifestation of supernatural activity. We want the wind of the Spirit in our lives in greater measure. We ask you, grant that in Jesus' name.
1: Yes. Yes. Amen. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about dreams, but first I wanted to take just a minute and let everybody know that we have a package that that Justin has put together, especially for this offer. And it is a resource that includes Justin Perry's book, Adventures in Dreaming, and his brand new and exclusive three-part audio series about the great gift of tongues. Also exclusive for those who get this resource, Justin, is preparing a brand new audio teaching called your adventures in dreaming. Now that's going to teach you how to position yourself to receive revelatory dreams. So I know that you're going to be pretty excited about that. Hey, Justin, I wanted to start back at, uh, I know that you you had quite a season of dreaming and, and just a, a lot of great things from God. And then you went through a period of time that was, was a bit of a difficult season. And then just, just, Describe to us that period of time in your life. Uh, you were you were receiving a lot of prophetic things and dreams. A difficult season, and then something happened that brought you out of that.
2: Yeah. So, um, beginning in April of two thousand nine, uh, my wife and I had been through a challenging season. We had uh, been in full time ministry for two years. Uh, and I, it was my first time in full-time ministry. I don't think I stewarded it that well. I worked way too much, 70-hour weeks. And it was just, you know, it was immaturity, I think, and zeal, probably without wisdom. Uh, and I kind of got burnt out as a result of that. Uh, and a door opened for us to move to another state and to uh, join the staff of a ministry that we just loved and had a lot of respect for And so we left where we were living. We moved across the country to go begin this new opportunity Uh, in two weeks before we were supposed to begin this new job, which was, it was going to be awesome. The salary was going to be there and housing, and my wife was going to be able to go back to school. It was just the dream situation. Well, two weeks before I was about to begin, I get a phone call from an assistant in this ministry Informing me that they're no longer going to be able to bring me on staff and no longer going to be able to hire me, so we had just packed up our whole lives for an opportunity and this door had just closed in our face. It was pretty uh, traumatic. We thought, God, you have tricked us. You know what has just happened. And so, uh, as I was pondering this, we went through a, you know a season of wilderness, just trying to figure out what was our our next step and. Uh, as I lay on the bed, one, uh, it was actually in the middle of the afternoon, I heard the Lord speak to me almost audibly. And he said, You must understand the life cycle of a the tree. There are seasons of life and there are seasons of death. In the seasons of death, the roots go down deeper uh, and the bark, the protective layer of the tree, falls off, leaving the tree more vulnerable but this season also prepares the tree for the next season of radical growth. Now, I had no idea if that was ecologically correct. I had never heard of anything like that before. It turns out there are trees that do exactly that. They have a life cycle of of uh, growth and then a dormant season. And, uh, and so I didn't know that that day, which was April 12, 2009, I was going to go into a seven-year season where there would be a lot of fruit, probably more fruit in ministry than I'd ever seen. And, it, uh, you know, two of my three kids were born during this seven-year season. There was a lot of things happening that were great on the outside. But what changed was my prayer life, which had always been the greatest source of my uh, personal encouragement and, you know, just the uh, life of deep intimacy with God and seasons of intense heavenly encounters for the most part, that shut down for seven years. I was still in the Word. I was still praying, but it was like, you know, I had about, you know, it's not all about feelings, but feelings are important. And as far as my experience was concerned, I was probably experiencing about 5% of the presence of God in the secret place, that I had been for the previous, you know, seven or eight years. And so, um, I went through this season and there was just a a number of things that were challenging, even though God was definitely blessing my wife, Leanna and I. Uh, but, uh, one of the things was I was dealing with a lot of respiratory illness. I had been born premature and, and, underdeveloped lungs. And so I'd kind of struggled with asthma and things like that for many years, but it got really bad during these seven years, had pneumonia several times. It was just a big challenge Uh, so fast forward seven years, April 12th, 2016, I was in my office late one night, just honestly frustrated. And I was crying out to God, just saying, you know, Lord, what is the deal? You know, I, I know I'm not perfect and I could point to things where I could have done differently. Maybe I missed God, but you know, what is the deal? Why has this been so difficult? Uh, and then, um, I was, uh, listening to a podcast where somebody mentioned Madame Guyon. She was, a, uh, I think, 16th century French mystic, maybe 17th century, basically just lived a deep life of prayer uh, and wrote about prayer in a very profound way. So I picked up a copy of her book, A Short and Easy Method of Prayer, not realizing until a few days later did I realize that this was seven years to the day that the Lord spoke to me about, you must understand the life cycle of a tree. And so I began reading this book, and I'm reading on the pages of this book a detailed description of what my prayer life was like for those first seven or eight years after I got saved. I'm reading, you know, the way that she would enter into the presence of God and the way that it would uh, often go into some kind of a deep encounter, even a heavenly experience. And all of a sudden, hope began to rise in my heart again, because I didn't even know that I just thought I had this special thing with God in my prayer life, and I have thought it was mine and God's biggest secret. Yeah. You know, nobody experiences what I experience in the secret place, but it turns out people have been encountering God like that for 2,000 years. <laughs> Pope began to come alive again, and I put the book down after about three chapters, and I turned my heart to the Lord. And as soon as I turned my heart to the Lord, I was caught up into an encounter um, I was caught up into this heavenly place and uh, there was a man who was sort of waiting for me there that I don't know if he was an angel or if he was you know uh, if he was a, a saint in heaven he kind of looked like a monk and he led me down a corridor and kind of handed me off to another man who led me down another corridor and he uh, announced me as he led me into this great, huge, grand room. It was almost like it was so big. It was almost like it was infinitely big. Uh, And there, about 30 feet in front of me, uh, was Jesus. And he was on his knees with his hands on his thighs, and he was in travailing intercession. And so I just had this understanding that the Lord had just invited me into his prayer room, and it was also his throne room. Uh, his throne was, you know, a ways back behind him. And so he motioned for me to come over and join him. And so I got down on my knees and began to pray with him and just began to pray through uh, things regarding the nations and then things regarding my personal life and then things regarding Morningstar and just all of these, uh, you know, uh, probably 20, 30 different things where I was praying with the Lord but also getting revelation because as I was praying, I was having understanding of what his heart was for each of these situations. Uh, and it, it was just the most magnificent encounter imaginable. I came out of it about two and a half three hours later. what I forgot to mention was is, is that leading up to this day, which it began April 12th and it went until April, Uh, 2016, uh, I had been really sick. I had uh, probably had pneumonia, um, and I had, you know, it was just really bad. I'll spare you the gory details, but whenever I woke up or came out of this encounter, I wasn't asleep, but I was in a trance-like experience, which is a biblical encounter, although, you know, New Agers use that language as well. The Bible had it first, so they can't have that
1: encounter.
2: (laughs) That's right. So I came out of this Uh, trance-like experience. And the first thing that I noticed whenever I took a breath is that my lungs didn't hurt anymore Mm. and that I could take a breath without coughing. And I was completely healed of that pneumonia or severe bronchitis or whatever it was. And I remember it was like two in the morning, but I came out of it and I thought, I will never be able to go to sleep. I was so supercharged with the presence of God. I felt like You know, almost like I had caught up on what I'd been missing out on for the previous seven years. Uh, And it it kicked off a season from April of of 16 until March of 2017, where these kind of encounters began happening very regularly. There's a lot of things I could say about that season, but uh, it was such a radical shift. And and the one thing I could say is different in my life since that night in April 2016 is I really feel like I have my prayer life back.
1: Yes, yeah.
2: You know, God meets with me in the secret place again, and that's, you know, about the greatest gift I could imagine the Lord giving back to me.
1: So you were caught up into this heavenly encounter. You'd you been sick, you said, a lot over your life because of some respiratory issues, but at this point, you were very sick. You were extremely sick. So you're caught up into this encounter for for two or three hours, and you come back out of that, and you're healed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that that is amazing. And I, I know, in just in reading your book and talking to you, that during this time when you come back, you had just committed yourself to praying hours a day. You know, I told everybody that you've prepared a a, a package for them, an audio series called "The Great Gift of Tongues." But you had committed yourself to praying for four hours at a time in the Spirit, in tongues, and that was such an impact on your ministry. And during all this time is when you started uh, just dreaming and dreaming and dreaming more than ever, and even uh, had the inspiration to write this book.
2: I was a second-year student in Morning Stars Bible School, and one of our teachers said that they once prayed in the Spirit four hours Uh, And something unlocked in the prophetic for them that they'd walked in ever since for like 10 years. Yes. Someone I had a great deal of respect for. And so I thought, man, if this guy did it one time, I'm going to start doing it all the time. (laughs) And so I would, uh, at least once a month on my day off, I would uh, you know, hide the clocks, I would unplug the phone. It's back when there were dinosaurs and phones that plugged into the wall in every house. And so I would just go for it, you know, four hours in tongues and I'd have a cup of water there, maybe a cup of coffee, and I'd just begin to pray in the spirit and I'd press through and, you know, think, Man, I'm probably halfway there, and then I'd take a peek at one of the clocks and I'm like thirty two minutes in. Oh, how am I gonna do this? And so uh even though the actual uh, experience of tongues for four hours wasn't always glorious. Sometimes it was. Sometimes, you know, some of the most dramatic uh, encounters with God I've ever had were during those times, but sometimes it was pretty dry. But the fruit that that came out of it for years afterwards, and ever since that time, I've made a practice of, um, and and more so this year than than probably ever since the mid-2000s, but for years, I've had a practice of uh, of just spending time praying in the Spirit. You know, yes. in the Holy Spirit yes uh, speak those mysteries within us. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that was a very fruitful uh, practice.
1: Well, I want to get back to dreams. I know everybody's interested in that. And that's, in fact, that's one of the the things that, that a lot of people, statistics show that a lot of people are interested in dreaming. So when we got your book in, I told you that several things jumped out about us that we we're going oh this is so different oh this is so good and justin i i have to say there's something that you teach and that you talk about about dreams being supernatural and the supernatural nature of dreams now this is what this is what just blew me away <laughs> you were saying that we may be having a dream, okay, we're asleep at night, and we're having this dream, and we're dreaming that we're doing something or involved in something, but your, your concept of that is sometimes you're not just seeing a series of images or emotions passing through our minds, but we're actually having that full-blown supernatural experience. Explain
2: that. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That is kind of the the heart of this book, um, because I think that even whenever we look in the scriptures at some of the encounters that happen in the middle of the night, there was something more uh, transpiring than a message being communicated. You know, you look at Solomon, who goes to sleep, you know, a normal man. I mean, of course, he was king of Israel and the son of David and all of that, but There wasn't that we know of any, you know, supernatural activity going on in his life. He has an encounter with the Lord in his sleep, and when he wakes up, he's the wisest man who's ever lived. You know, we've got experiences like, um, we don't know for sure whenever uh, Jacob wrestles with God, whether he was asleep or not. The implication is that he probably was, but he has this encounter in the middle of the night that changes his walk forever, and mm-hmm. gets a new name in this encounter. And there's a, a number of things like this, uh, and I've got a ton of contemporary examples, many in my book, and many more since I wrote the book, where, uh, you know, I don't think we realize both in in our prayer lives, in our dream lives. Uh, in things that we do in faith like prophetic acts, I don't know that we realize the power that God has entrusted to us as believers. You know, we're called to pray without ceasing, and if we are intercessors in our waking hours, then whenever we're asleep, it's actually common for our spirit to continue to intercede. I've had so many times where my wife has told me that you know, she woke up in the middle of the night and I'm sitting up in bed rebuking something or I'm praying in the spirit. Or I've had a few times where I've had encounters where I was actually shaking and shaking the bed and woke her up. And, but we've also had the opposite happen where, you know, one of us is having a nightmare or demonic attack and the other of us will actually wake up because our spirit is discerning the other one is going through and we actually wake up and wake the other one up and pray for each other. It's just, I think that whenever we're asleep, the the natural part of our mind is kind of put out of the way right so to speak and our spirit is awake it's like song of solomon the shulamite says i sleep but my heart is awake Mm -hmm. and so i think that for instance you know someone who is uh dreaming about spiritual warfare, or they're dreaming about maybe not even spiritual warfare. Maybe they're on a battlefield, and they're engaged in some kind of a battle, and maybe they're shooting firearms. Maybe they're in hand-to-hand combat. A lot of wrestling dreams are actually wrestling with something in the spirit, and so your spirit is battling something as you sleep, um, and unbeknownst to us, there is something being accomplished in the spiritual realm. I have uh, a story in the book about um, something that happened uh, with Rick Joyner. Uh, He was at a a conference that I was actually at uh, in Kansas City years ago, and he, uh, in the middle of the night, he had, he basically, I don't know what he called a demonic visitation, but he, uh, he went to wrestle with I don't think he did it by will. It was like his spirit was caught up into a wrestling with a principality over the city. Uh, and it, he he said in this conference meeting, you know, I, I had an encounter last night. I was wrestling against this principality that felt like organized crime that seemed to be very sophisticated. And many of our listeners will know that in Kansas City, there's a powerful prayer ministry there that's been going 24-7 Uh, praying now for, I think, 25 years or so under Mike Bickle. And so as Rick spoke at this conference in Kansas City, his spirit joined with the intercession of the saints over the city, and he engaged this principality that actually was a spirit of organized crime that was operating one of the largest human trafficking rings in the nation. And this was in 2007, I believe, and I actually have I have the newspaper articles that verify this, that from around that time for the next year, there were over – I think there were uh, in 2007 over 400 arrests and even more in 2008 where this organized crime human trafficking ring uh, began to be dismantled and all of these people began to be busted. And it busted up that whole human trafficking ring that went all the way from Mexico to Canada. Uh, but I have so many examples like this. Another one that that happened recently, I have a bunch of them, but I'll just share one more. But um, a friend of mine was, uh, was away in Pakistan, and she was doing crusades. She's an incredible woman of faith, goes and does crusades, and sees many Muslims born again. And uh, she was having a crusade in kind of a remote area, and there were a lot of the warlocks in the area, witch doctors and warlocks in the area that were really resisting her and, and everything was hard. She, vehicles were breaking down and there was technical problems, all of this stuff just to try to stop her from getting to where she was going. Well, on the other side of the planet, back here in Fort Mill, uh, a mutual friend of ours uh, had a dream at the same time that, she, that uh, our friend in Pakistan is encountering this warfare and our friend here in Fort Mill dreams that she's in Pakistan and she is wrestling. If I remember right, I think she was like, had superpowers, kind of like the Matrix, and she was basically fighting against all of these warlocks in Pakistan in her dream. And the only reason I knew about this is because I was teaching a workshop on dreams and I didn't even know this girl yet. I've since become friends with her. Uh, and she raised her hand and said, I think I had one of these warfare dreams that you're talking about. She said, I I have a friend who's in Pakistan, and and I knew who she was talking about, and she said, and two nights ago, I had this dream that I was wrestling warlocks. I think I might have been praying for her, Uh, and it wasn't until our friend got back from Pakistan, and we lined up the timeline to discover that, yes, she was going to battle at the very time that the resistance was rising against our friend in Pakistan. Wow. And so many things like this have happened, uh, you know, uh, encounters where people have been sure. um, There's Yeah, it's just to me, it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, and I think whenever Paul has his encounter, um, uh, whenever uh, Paul and Silas are trying to determine where to go and... They're trying to decide. Oh well, maybe we should go into Asia, but then the Holy Spirit restrains them. And then Paul has a dream that a man from Macedonia comes to him in the night and says, "Come to Macedonia and preach the gospel to us." Basically, an invitation to come uh, to Macedonia. And Paul does. And of course, they see great fruit. You know, who knows what happened there? But either that was an angel that came in the dream as a man from Macedonia, or there was an intercessor in Macedonia who's crying out to God and saying, God, you know, send someone uh, to bring the truth to us. Send someone. Yes. Yes. The anointing. Uh, And that person came to Paul in his dream, whether they knew it or not is irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. uh, So I could go on and on.
1: (laughs) I know. But let me just ask all of those listening. Have you ever have you ever heard that before? I, I had not put it the way you Justin put it in um, in your book to to even think about the possibility that what I just had may not have been just a dream about intercession I may have really been interceding or it may not have just been a dream about spiritual warfare but actually engaging in spiritual warfare I was just blown away by that and there's so so many things in your book about that you have prepared this resource and it includes your book adventures in dreaming and your brand new and exclusive three-part audio teaching series the great gift of tongues now also as i said before you're going to get for those who order this package will get justin's newly prepared brand new audio teaching called your adventures in dreaming and this is going to teach you how to position yourself and how to receive revelatory dreams so so exciting Justin, I would love to start talking a little bit about um, the different types of dreams that that you describe and that you teach about. Tell me a little bit about prophetic dreams.
2: Yeah, so prophetic dreams, uh, this category I sort of set apart from other revelatory dreams as those pertaining to the future. Uh, There's many of these in the Bible, of course, Pharaoh's dreams, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, Uh, uh, Joseph, the, you know, natural father of Jesus or however you want to call him, you know, he had several dreams letting him know what was coming. So he knew how to maneuver in order to preserve Jesus's life. And so, yeah, these are, uh, dreams that are heaven's heads up about what's coming. Yes. Uh, so yeah, these are a common type of revelatory dream, but I think what an incredible gift that God actually like he you know, said to Isaiah, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. He actually gives us a heads up of what's coming in our future.
1: Yes, yes, I love that. And what about, uh, here's something else that so sometimes we think about future, but not, I guess it could be present and future, destiny dreams.
2: Yeah, so these are, um, there was a really interesting couple years where I started to see a lot of these dreams happening uh, in my own life, but also just in the lives of those that I know, whenever I'm talking about dreams of destiny, I'm talking about those dreams that actually prepare you for your ultimate purpose, your ultimate calling. Usually, these dreams are larger than life. They're big. You know, Maybe it's someone uh, is preaching to millions. Maybe they're walking on water. They're raising the dead. Or maybe they're a president of a nation. Maybe they're a CEO of a corporation. But it's uh, someone seeing themselves uh, in a position of having been exalted. Mm-hmm. And I think these are unique because there's, there's more than encouragement happening in these dreams. There's often impartation that's happening in these dreams. You know, I, I've been a part of several chaplaincy courses uh, with a couple different organizations. And one of the things that uh, they do in chaplaincy training is they do a lot of role-playing and they do that in order to prepare you for a real life situation. So you talk through debriefing someone after an active shooter situation because it can be so overwhelming to be in a real life situation like that that if you've done it in role play, you're more prepared to do it for real. And so a lot of these dreams of destiny, you know, maybe someone, uh, for instance, maybe they see themselves in kind of a futuristic scene where a city has been devastated, uh, and they're walking through the streets, and they're walking in the anointing, and they're healing the sick, and they're multiplying food. And so they're, they're seeing themselves uh, in a, a situation that they might never actually be in that very devastated city with all of the answers, but they have now, in a very real way, their spirit has been trained to actually be in a chaotic situation like that uh, and still be at peace and still be able to operate in the anointing, even though their surroundings are devastated.
1: Which would reveal something probably about their destiny or what what God was preparing them for.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Giving them a vision for being the answer in a time of crisis uh, or having the answers in a time of crisis. And I think the same is true uh, with gifts of the Spirit. People who, you know, if we ask, we will receive. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, the door will be open to us. So uh, it, healing is a really easy example to use, and I've seen this happen so many times. Uh, whenever someone really begins to pursue healing, it's it's a guarantee that if you are with a pure heart, you know, you're pursuing healing, you're going to see more healing happen in your life. But what ends up happening also is is people begin to often dream about healing. And so now they're dreaming that they just laid hands on someone who had stage four cancer and was just healed in yes. their eyes. And often those dreams, we wake up from those dreams and we feel so encouraged and we feel so strengthened And I believe it's more than because we saw something cool in our dreams. It's because faith has been imparted to us.
1: Mm, Yes.
2: Gifts have been imparted to us. That same anointing that we were operating in when we laid hands on the person with cancer in our dream, we're coming out of that dream carrying something from heaven to where we can actually move in a greater degree of healing now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are you know, many different examples of this, but dreams impart to us. I think it kind of brings it home whenever we think about if you've ever had a nightmare and you woke up still feeling the effects of the nightmare, right, maybe right. you feel off or you feel slimed. You know, it's it's as though a seed has been planted, the wrong kind of seed, but it's as though... Something's been imparted to us, uh, and and we got to, you know, I talk in the book about how to pray through dreams like that and just break the, the slime off of you, but that's just the counterfeit of what the Lord does. He imparts to us in dreams, you know, just like the enemy wants to plant his seed, God will plant his seed in us so that we're actually being prepared for our destiny and actually being equipped and imparted with spiritual gifts so that we can walk you know, uh, closer to what we're ultimately called to walk in.
1: Yes. Let's talk about another one. That's great. Uh, let's talk about visitation dreams.
2: Yeah. Visitation dreams. These are another one that you see all throughout scripture, visitations of the Lord, visitations of angels, uh, even visitation of people in a couple places. And Angels are very involved in the prophetic because angels are messengers. And if you look at the lives of those like Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah, those who walked in a high level of the seer gifts, they're interacting with angels regularly, angels that are interpreting the revelation. Angels, I've prayed many times, Lord, give me an angel like the one that walked with Zechariah because there's a couple times his angel would either wake him up out of a dead sleep or would nudge him and say, hey, look, or you're going to miss this. And the angel would actually call his attention uh, to some, you know, revelation that God wanted to give to him. So I think many times when we have a prophetic dream or a revelatory dream, it's because a messenger has brought that to us. That's why we had the dream. In the same way, that nightmare was because there was a demonic attack, a demonic messenger brought something to us. Well, a revelatory dream often is because a messenger angel has visited us, whether one of the characters in our dream was that angel or whether it's just that the angel brought us a message and we perceived it as a dream. Yes. Yeah, there's many... Many examples of that. Um, The one that's uh, the more unique and maybe controversial is the idea that people can even uh, appear in someone else's dream. And I talked about the man from Macedonia who came to Paul. Um, I've had several experiences like this as well. Uh, The short version of one of uh, the times that this happened was the Lord had been speaking to me to give something up uh, that I just thought, Lord, why would you be asking me to give that up? Every you know, everybody I know does that. You know, it's, I don't think it's a sin issue, but the Lord was asking me to give it up. Uh, and I was walking in disobedience. One reason is because I talked to several people that I respected and friends and said, hey, I think God's asking me to give this up. And they said, oh, that you're probably just being religious. You know, that I don't think God would would ask anybody to do that. And so since I was missing God and since even those who were who had access to me we're also missing it. The Lord allowed a man, an African man, with a very—he had a thunderous voice like Moses in my dream, and uh, I, in, in my dream, I was at a crossroads, and this man handed me an old journal of mine that was filled with testimonies of miracles and heavenly encounters and amazing things, and he handed this to me, and he said to me, "What was it like to live like this?" and as soon as I touched the journal, I knew exactly what he meant. Oh, it was amazing, you know, all of these amazing encounters with God. And then he said to me, God has been speaking to you to make this change, and you have not done it. And then he vanished, and then I woke up. Implication being, you know, because I'd been walking in disobedience, I'd been missing out on a lot of what God had wanted to do. Right. And so I right. immediately woke up and made the change. Uh, but as I sought the Lord, you know, what was that? Was that an angel? You know, was it just a dream? I felt like you told me that that was actually a person who was, you know, consecrated unto the Lord who was saying, God, send me, I'll go. And the Lord allowed him to come and speak to me in my dream since I was missing it and those in my circle were missing it.
1: That is so incredible. It's incredible. And I just have to say, there's so many other things that we can talk about. Seeing in the spirit and dreams, supernatural experiences, uh, even uh, dreams being used as a tool to reach people at a new age festival. You have such incredible stories about that dream interpretation being used for evangelism. There's so, so, so much material here that, of course, we cannot cover it all here. But I wanted to talk before we have to go here in a few minutes, just a little bit about the the great gift of tongues that you're preparing to go along with this package. And, and I was asking you, okay, so how does the great gift of tongues and the supernatural nature of dreams, how does that connect?
2: Yeah, I... I... I think there's an undeniable connection between the gift of tongues and the revelatory gifts. That's why in the book of Acts you see often someone is baptized in the spirit and they do two things. they speak in tongues and they prophesy. Mm-hmm. It's why 1 Corinthians 14 is the most detailed chapter on prophecy and tongues. You know they're joined together, and there's many examples of this. Um, but tongues actually fuel our supernatural lives. I think that, you know, tongues are not spoken to man, but to God. You know, our understanding is unfruitful, but in the Spirit we speak mysteries. We build ourselves up in our most holy faith, and on and on and on. And so uh, I think that it is a gift that has perhaps been undervalued in much of the body of Christ. Um, And I think it's one that, man, we're missing out if we're not availing ourselves of this great and glorious gift Any one of us at any time can choose to strengthen ourselves. You know, the one who prays in a tongue edifies himself. We can choose to build our spirit at any time just by praying in tongues. And so this is definitely a, a message I want to get out there because it's made a huge impact in my life.
1: Oh, I love that phrase that you said, tongues fuel the supernatural in us. Yeah. Wow, (laughs) that's really, really strong. Okay, we are going to have to go, and I just can't even believe it's time. But can I just ask you to take a moment and pray for those, uh, Justin, that might be listening? We've talked about a lot of different things. So, Justin, if you will, just pray for those that are listening now, whatever you feel led to pray.
2: Yeah, well, Donna, whenever you began to pray at the very beginning of the podcast, probably before we even went on air, Uh, I felt the Lord speak to me that there are those who are listening whose faith has been wounded. Uh, They've believed God for big things in the past, and they've pressed in to see the hand of God in a supernatural way in their lives. And whether because of disappointment or disillusionment, uh, you know, life can be difficult, you know, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And so I want to pray especially for those uh, who have had their faith wounded and who have Uh, walked through times whenever they felt like God was really near and God was really moving, uh, but they've also walked through a difficult season that has caused them to draw back from believing God big like they used to. I also want to pray for any of those who are just hungry, who are asking God uh, to show up in a powerful way, who are hungry for more and so, Father, thank you, God, for this incredible privilege to speak to your people and minister to your people. Lord, we, we don't stand a chance of making an impact on this world unless you move through our lives. We say, God, we are desperately hungry. We are seeking your face, God. In any place where our hearts have grown cold, any place where our hearts have been wounded, Lord, would you restore our faith? Would you heal our faith? God, would you awaken a radical, fiery pursuit again like never before in our lives? Would you stir hunger? Would you stir faith? God, would you awaken in us a pursuit after you uh, unlike anything we've ever known? And God, I do pray for The the manifestation of the Spirit is for the common good. You you said that every one of us can walk in the manifestation of the Spirit. And God, we ask you for that. We want to hear your voice. Lord, we want to be so sensitive to your presence that we're like a feather in the wind. We're moved by the slightest nudge of your presence. Lord, we ask you to make us sensitive to your voice and sensitive to your presence. And we ask you to give us grace to walk in faith to stand in faith, to step out in faith. And so, Lord, we're saying, uh, God, we're we're desperate for more of you. We ask you for more. We ask you to visit our lives in a marked, increased way. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm
1: Amen, Justin. I am so glad that you've joined us today, and I know everyone listening uh, are very excited about the um, this product that you have prepared. This powerful, powerful resource. If you have been dreaming, if you want to dream, if you want to understand your dreams, then I encourage you to get this. It's Justin Perry's book, Adventures in Dreaming, and his brand new and exclusive three part audio series. The great gift of tongues fueling your supernatural life. And don't forget, there's also a bonus CD for you exclusively for those who get this resource. Justin is preparing a brand new audio teaching called Your Adventures in Dreaming. So here's Sid Roth to tell you how you can get that today.
0: In Justin Perry's book, Adventures in Dreaming, you'll learn the supernatural nature of dreams and how to experience your own adventures in dreaming. Plus, You'll get the booklet by Madame Guillaume, Experiencing God Through Prayer. And a brand new and exclusive audio teaching by Justin Perry and myself, Keys to Heavenly Encounters, all for an investment of only 35 U.S. dollars. You can't get this package anywhere else. So be sure to order yours today. To order, call 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot Be sure to ask for offer number 9657. Once again, that's offer number 9657.